Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Let me introduce the Giffords ice cream to my Shane's ice cream, Curtis Wister. How are you doing today, Curtis? I'm doing well, Ben. Now you're going to make me hungry here because it's been a minute since I've had some ice cream. So that's a good one. Yeah. So question for you then, what's oh, your, gosh. what's your favorite fla- flavor? What's, what do you, uh, what are you indulging in summer 2022? So favorite flavor or like, what do I order? Cause that's two different answers. So, or I have two favorites. So I go cookie dough and cookies and cream. That's the two. So if I had to pick one, probably cookie dough. Cause in theory I could just buy Oreos outside of the ice cream if I had to pick one flavor of ice cream. So I think cookie dough is probably the winner. But yeah, the order is a scoop of cookie dough, scoop of cookies and cream. That's what I'm going for. Wow, that's that's a that's well thought out. Yeah. I like it. Yep. I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well I was I, I gotta say I've been going to the I know I'm the Shane's ice cream in this uh, analogy, but uh, Gifford's Aroma Joe's PB Mocha has been awesome summer okay. twenty twenty two. So okay. check it out if you haven't right. checked it out yet. But I also want to just uh, do a quick little announcement too. Um, Guidance Point Advisors just had a little bit of uh, of an award, so we yeah. just uh, were named best of the best financial advisors for the Greater Bangor Area 2022. So we got right. a little bit of a of an award. Uh, so thank everybody for um, and if you participate in voting, we really appreciate that and, yeah. and everybody kind of doing that. So. Again, our, our podcast keeps growing and going and our, our practice is too, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But wanted to talk about, uh, you know, a, a, a item and a topic and something that just comes up a lot in terms of our conversations and especially with client meetings kicking back up here in 2022. You know, there's investment volatility. It's impacting financial plans, right, Curtis? Yeah. It's something that oh, yeah. we've been working through a lot and people, what can I afford and where am I? Uh, but one thing that really our set of retirees have been saying to us is they can't wait to get back out in the world yep. exploring after being cooped up for a couple of years, right? Is yeah. I think we've all been expanding our circles a little bit, right? It's like pandemic, sure. we can go local and we can do the things in a car and we can get outside. So we've done a lot of that. Mm. And then now we're expanding our circles, expanding, and maybe we're starting to get to the point where we're comfortable of really expanding to our our kind of dreams that we had previously. So especially yeah. for new newly retirees, we're hearing that a lot. That's right. But the world of travel is pretty different, right? With a variety of new wrinkles, roadblocks, and requirements to be aware of. So what are those? What are some tips, tricks, and hacks that can allow us to smoothly overcome some of these roadblocks when they present themselves? And what are some destinations and trip ideas that people are traveling to that now they've expanded those circles? So that's that's the the premise of today's show. Yeah, and and you know I think as everyone listening knows, we are not travel experts, so we had to bring no. someone in, uh, hopefully a familiar face uh, for most of our listeners. But so our next guest is a main transplant, originally from St. Louis, Missouri, after studying to be a diplomat in a brief career as a teacher in Salzburg, Austria. Our guest fell in love with the travel industry and its ability to connect people across countries and cultures. She pursued a master's in tourism administration with a focus on sustainable destination development. 
Her travel style is best defined by her curiosity, which I love that because I make no plans when I travel and I just let my brain take me wherever I want to go. She loves to explore the things that make a destination unique through food, through the landscape, and through meeting people and loves to help others explore new-to-them destinations. She's a firm believer in the transformative power of travel. When she isn't traveling or helping others see the world, she enjoys good food, ice cream in particular. Good plug mm. there, Ben. I see what you did yep. there. Yep. Um, <laughs> hiking with her family and her dog, and watching her son discover the world. So at this time, please welcome back um, for a third time now to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast, Carrie Forbringer Heatherman. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Carrie. It's great to see you again. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. So now that Curtis and I have shared with yep. our audience yep. um, our ice cream choice, so since you are a fan of ice cream as well, we got to ask 2022, what's what's the palate liking for ice cream right now? You know, one of my go-tos is the Giffords Campfire S'mores mm. oh, uh, and yes. a good waffle cone. Um, but because now my ice cream is often shared with my one-year-old, <laughs> uh, the cookies and cream is a classic and he eats that up. So there's often a scoop of cookies and cream on the side That's right. <laughs> okay. for him I and like for me. It. I like it. Okay. Well, yeah. I got to say that I, Campfire S'mores is probably a pretty close second for me to the graham cracker and the marshmallow and it just yeah. kind of... It's a really good mix. And you throw a little hot fudge on top of that. Mm. Yep. Yep. Mm. So, so good. good. So good. Well, well, Carrie, thanks again for coming on the show. One of the things that we wanted to do, obviously, where we start with every episode. So there's a lot of people that discover us um, as they go through our episodes. So they might not have heard you before. So for those that are the kind of first time tuning in are not familiar with you, love to just hear about your story. Again, we did the read about uh, kind of this, but like talk about your story kind of coming to Maine and your love of travel. Yeah, Um, they're kind of intertwined. My um, coming to Maine story was I ended up going to Bowdoin College. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and kind of knew that I wanted to pursue diplomacy as a, as a thing. And Bowdoin has a really good government and legal studies program. So that's why I chose Bowdoin and accidentally also acquired a German degree while I was there. And it was the German degree that mm. helped really inspire the travel part, right? like the pivot into travel versus the, um, the kind of politics side of things. So, because really, ultimately, when you think about diplomacy, you're, t- you're talking about connecting people and you're talking about making, making connections. And that's really what travel is. So that's kind of where that, where that came from. And then living abroad for a couple of years, teaching English, you know, was, I crossed that off my list. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. It was not going to be a full-time career for me. So, but once again, we came back to the whole travel thing. So I came back and people started asking me for recommendations for Salzburg and also for Maine, because I had known Maine, you know, from, from being a college student here and kind of living here over the summers. And, um, when, when we, my husband and I had the opportunity to come back, we came back. So here we are. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So knowing in our previous conversations, uh, this might be a loaded question for you, but I just want to ask, obviously we're all here based in Maine now, kind of, what do you love about Maine? And I know you might have to cut that list short a little bit, but just kind of (laughs) like, what is it about Maine that you just love so much? Oh my gosh. I mean, what don't I love about Maine? Honestly, <laughs> maybe, maybe the length of the winter. That's All the right. only thing I like. Mm-hmm. But 
everything else. Like you can't beat a main summer. You can't beat the landscape. The landscape is gorgeous and the people are wonderful. I mean, we've felt so welcome since we moved here. Just, I, I mean, I, yeah, it's the, it's everything. It's kind of hard to, <laughs> to narrow it down, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great lifestyle. I mean, we can be out in nature mm-hmm. in 10 minutes, yeah. you know, yeah. Like the city forest is our favorite place to be, right? And it's 10 minutes away and we can, you know, hike around and bike around and it's wonderful. It smells like a pine pillow back there. Like, <laughs> like you think it's not real, but it's real. Yeah. yeah. And, and also I'm sure from the travel component piece too, right? Is it's helpful yeah. having some really great airports in the state as well, where especially yeah. internationally, everybody's kind of coming through us anyway, right? As you're kind of cut off some of that and you can kind of get to where you need to go without having to travel to a major city and have a little bit uh, less headaches there to it, I would imagine as well, right? Yep, yep. I think, so Bangor is a wonderful, I adore flying out of Bangor because you can be through security in less time than it takes you to get a bagel on the other side Mm -hmm. of security, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's awesome Um, and you park and it's inexpensive, like you park down at Boston Logan, it's $45 a day in the economy lot. Like yeah, right. it's not the case <laughs> in Bangor. So all of those things are wonderful. We've got really good connectivity, which is we're lucky for a small town. And, you know, we're the, we've got a good connected airport here. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, Portland, obviously. And we, you know, you, it, Boston isn't really all that far away. You can get there, yeah, sure. which is great. So, yeah. And I know we'll talk about a little of uh, maybe some ways to kind of cover costs and some of those options too, right? So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, but want to just ask about travel personally for you, right? Is how has your love affair with travel evolved over time? So I'm thinking about, you know, where what you really liked about travel, maybe when you were in college or younger versus maybe today and what you, what you were finding interesting or what you like to do might be different for, for kind of a certain age group. So love to hear about how that's adapted for you as you've um, uh, kind of evolved or, or kind of grown in your career. Yeah. It's well, my budget is a little different than it was when I was a college student, (laughs) which is, a welcome change. I loved, you know, I did the couch surfing thing uh, for a while. That was an adventure. And I'm grateful that that's an option if I need it to be. But ultimately, it's not something that I'm doing really at all anymore. Which is fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. My so like I mentioned, we now have a one year old son. And for a very long time, always, always the thing that I love about travel so much is kind of exploring new places, exploring the things that make a new place different. And, but now with a, with a one-year-old that exploration looks a little different. And sometimes if we get a chance to go without him, all I want to do is sit by the beach and do nothing at all. So there's a little bit more of that in my world as well. Um, No shade to people who have always known the pleasure of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is a new discovery for me, the, this needing to slow down and really just take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hear you there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's yep. great. That's great. Um, so obviously now uh, we just want to kind of keep going with travel, right? And obviously this the core of this conversation today, right? We're talking about kind of kickstarting or maybe restarting our kind of retirement travel plans. Obviously, the last couple of years, travel has evolved 
tremendously, I'm sure. So I guess we'll kind of kick it off. So obviously, the world is quite a bit different than the last time we had you on our show. Um, the pandemic obviously created a lot of barriers and obstacles for folks uh, to go about the world exploring. So I guess the big question off the top is how has the world changed related to travel? And then kind of in that change, maybe what hasn't changed as well is kind of the the two ways to look at that question. Yeah, the uh, yeah, <laughs> the world has changed in a lot of ways and you can see it kind of locally. We've lost restaurants. We've yeah. lost um, shops. We've lost small businesses kind of, you know, you can see it in Maine. Yeah. We're, although we've been really lucky actually in Maine, Maine became, has always been a destination, but became, because we're so drivable, became a yep. really hot spot to come from all over the U S. Um, so I think we, we got very lucky that we lost fewer businesses than other places seem to have. But yeah, the world has changed in that some of my go-to restaurants, some of my go-to tour operators, they're no longer in business. Mm. And that's unfortunate. Um, happens anyway, regardless of a pandemic. It just happened a lot. So yeah. all of my my guides, I have to revise. Um, you know, like any of the guides that say, here are the restaurants I recommend, have to revise that. Yeah. We also, let's see, we've, we've been through a lot of waves of kind of places that are popular, places that are open and accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, we, you know, I'm sure you remember, everything kind of closed, right? Yeah. Like slowly, slowly, and then everything. And most things are back open at this point um, Mm. without, you know, you can travel there as an American without quarantining or without a test even at this point. And for most places, they're not even requiring vaccination cards anymore. Um, So those things have not been true for the entirety of the pandemic, obviously, and, and are slowly coming back to what we experienced in 2019 before everything went down. So yeah, yeah, the world looks different. (laughs) The world looks different, you know, because of those things, the places that we've gone to look different. Mm -hmm. Um, But the world is still out there. Um, You know, the Coliseum, (laughs) aside from poor Notre Dame, most of the major uh, sites are still out there. So you can still see them all. Um, And the world's slowly opening up again. So, you know, there are really only a handful of places that I am not seeing interest in yet because they're uh, China, which has a no COVID policy. People yeah. aren't going to China. Japan is, re- it's open, but it's not open, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. So one kind of follow up there and what do you see? I think I know the answer to this, but obviously cost is a part of this, right? That's changed. Yeah. Is that, yeah. I mean, obviously the pandemic and now inflation has been, I know Ben talked about that in our intro, just kind of, what are you seeing there with costs? Like, is it drastically changing in travel right now? Has it not changed? Has it changed then come back? Like, where are we at with that? We are, I would say probably 20% higher than we were Hmm. uh, in 2019. Okay. If we're talking about, and maybe 2020, it's hard to compare because not everything was, was open or accessible, but you know, I'm seeing a significant cost increase and that's just the cost of services are higher. There have been some really interesting things. So I don't know if you know this rental cars are a pain in the butt. (laughs) Uh, And the story behind it is that the rental car fleets sold off their fleets because they, the cost, the used car cost was going through the roof. Nobody was renting. So they sold everything off and then they couldn't buy new cars just like, you know, the, the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they have wait lists and they're slowly rebuilding their, their inventory here. But so there are just not as many as there used to be. And, and that's kind of 
true for different reasons, but true across the industry that there are just fewer options. There are fewer places that people are going to, like I said, China, Japan, um, Australia was off the table for a really long time. So, Hmm. so, and you know, when Europe was largely closed to us, we were seeing most people who wanted to leave the country or people were either staying domestically or they were going to Mexico, which just causes demand to increase. So it's, it's really a combination of factors. And I think we'll start to see some things come back down. We're also seeing because the exchange rate for the Euro is as good as it's ever been. Mm. So Europe, though, the costs are higher, you know, when you look at euros compared to 2019 for us, they are not as high as they would be otherwise, which is a great, you know, selfishly, it's great for us, (laughs) for for us traveling. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kira, I know obviously, and obviously we're kind of talking some challenges here, right? Costs. And as you said, like vaccination statuses and what, what you may need in one country versus another. And again, things are being relaxed and it's getting a look, it's getting better, getting closer to what we previously experienced. But, you know, for example, I know we're all seeing that right now is labor shortages during flights, right? Is, flight teams and pilots having to kind of get moved from one hub to another to then catch the next pl- uh, plane to, and then mechanical issues and not having anybody to work on it. And yeah. right, all of those, and, and to your point about, then I go to rent a car and there's not a car to rent. And so there's a, a lot of again hurdles and challenges that I think are new, but right. their travels always had a level of hurdles and challenges. So, uh, so I guess what I was always taught that whenever we present a problem in life, what we just talked about, it's our job to present possible solutions, right? So now that we've talked about a few things that might make our travel journeys more difficult. So what are some possible (laughs) tips, tricks, and hacks to overcome those challenges? Number one, the number one tip, trick, hack, anything that I can offer is to be flexible. (laughs) It's, Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, you know, because we've been, we've all been cooped up for so long. Everybody's so excited to get out, you know, into the world again. And because travel is more expensive than it's been in a long time, I think there are a lot of really high expectations. And so when things go wrong, it feels even harder now, Mm -hmm. but really if you can just let go a little bit of some of that rigidity and, and be a little flexible, okay. So something goes wrong, your flight gets delayed by half an hour. We can weather that storm. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm going to tell you to use a travel advisor. I think mm-hmm. um, I'm yeah. incredibly biased here, but we do a great job. So for example, I had a client who was in Belgium. They called me from Bruges to tell me that their train was running late. And while I was on the phone with them could find, you know, the connecting trains that if they missed their train in Brussels, Where's the next, you know, what's the next time that they can get on a train? How long is it going to take? What's the cost increase? All of that. Can Mm -hmm. we get their money back? And we had answers, you know, in 15 minutes while they were still on the train. And luckily they made their train and it didn't matter in the first place, you know, but it was peace of mind for them. Um, And that's kind of the benefit. One of the benefits of having a travel advisor is we can help, you know, make things a little more (laughs) easy, smooth. Well, I think, Karen, just to jump in for a second is it seems like there's more disruption to our travel, right? Is that there's maybe there's a higher, it feels like there's a high probability that something might happen during your travel. So to your point about being flexible, like, well, if there's a higher probability that something goes wrong, we have to be flexible enough to maybe take a little bit more time to solve it or, and, and I, I don't know. 
from a feeling perspective, observation, anecdotally, it's like, I think maybe us as a world community, we maybe are a little less patient um, with certain things. And it feels like we're, we're very uh, passionate about our experiences and wanting some gratification a little more quickly. So being on hold with um, a certain airline uh, for two and a half hours while I'm stuck in an airport, those sorts of things, I, I could see where the, you know, families or uh, retirement trips and all of a sudden there's something going on that's not really working the best and and all of a sudden our relationships with the people that we're traveling with tends to have some mm-hmm. friction there i guess is what <laughs> i want to i'm trying to be careful in how i'm framing this but i, I so i guess what i want to say is that to have an advocate it feels like now more than ever yeah, there's there's absolutely. room to have an advocate to help out and say hey i don't know this stuff i'm not the expert i don't do this on a daily basis i'm doing the best i can and probably i don't have the answers and i'm probably going to maybe mess that up so having an advocate i think is going to be pretty helpful um, but i guess so in terms of okay here here's one thing is have an advocate there are there other things that so for example about being flexible can you give some examples of something's going wrong in your travel what sort of things do i need to be flexible to in order to uh, maybe get some better outcomes yeah i think it's just being patient yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time because i think especially when you're frustrated and you're standing in line with 100 other people because your flight's been canceled and you're waiting to get to the front of the line it's really easy to snap at the people around you, family members, or, you know, other people in line. And it's easy to snap at the people who are, you know, trying to help you. And that's yeah. not, that's not helpful. It's, it's easy to do. We've all done it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate to admit it, but we've all done it, but it, it just doesn't help. So that kind of stuff is, is seems obvious, but it's something that I would implore people to try and, and, you know, ha- have a little patience, have a little um, grace. We're all trying to get through this together. There are things that you can do kind of in advance to mitigate some of these problems. We're talking about booking direct flights Mm -hmm. rather than having connections. You just minimize your chances of losing your luggage. Hmm. You can buy Apple AirTags if you're an Apple user and throw them in your luggage so you can track your luggage, you know, remotely on your phone. Um, So if the airline loses it, can't figure out what they've done or they put the wrong tag on your luggage, which is something that has happened, Mm. um, you can track it and say, oh, my gosh, my luggage is in Cancun and I'm supposed to be in Turks and Caicos. Like what? (laughs) And they can help. You can help get them to to claim it. (laughs) You can also uh, I also always recommend booking an early morning flight and looking at when you're talking about what specifically talking about flights, because flights are often where we're seeing a lot of the, the issues first arise. An early morning flight, if you can, through uh, if you have a connection through somewhere that has multiple connection options during the day. So mm-hmm. for Bangor, we have plenty through Philly, plenty through DC, plenty through New York. And if you book that or that first flight, and you're you say you're coming back to Bangor, you've got an earlier flight. Hopefully, if something goes wrong with that first flight, mechanical issues, whatever, they can get you on a subsequent flight that day rather than yeah. you know three days later or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't, I make no promises, but that's. <laughs> That's <laughs> that's one of the things that I always do for my own travels is I try and take those earlier flights. It's inconvenient, but it's... Oh, that's it, a really good point, though. I mean, I know the three of us know the Bangor Airport. Well, I mean, their flight to D.C. goes back and forth eight or nine times in one day. So that's a good, uh, that's a good tip. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. All right. Enough of stuff going wrong. I'm going to move <laughs> on now. Um, so... <laughs> 
I want to ask, uh, currently, what are some popular destinations that your clients are booking, um, you know, now or the past few months or even a few months into the future here? And why are those places hot right now? And maybe why have other places, you know, that were popular pre pandemic? I know you teased this a little earlier, right? If stuff's closed and stuff, but really, I guess, where are people going and why are they going there right now? That's a really good question. So um, for a while in the pandemic, we were really seeing people almost exclusively going domestically. And then when they started to feel comfortable with a little bit more of the world, Mexico. Mexico is always popular, always popular for us who have winter, right? Especially on the East Coast. It's super easy to get to Cancun. There are a million Mm. and a half flight options. And that that was definitely popular. It's always popular for that reason. It's also very popular because there were no quarantine requirements, no Mm. vaccination requirements. And we could get back into the U.S. relatively easily. You know, there most of the the hotels, if you're going to an all-inclusive resort in Cancun area or whatever, have the testing option on site so that people could then just get right back into the U.S. when the testing was still gotcha. still something that we had to do. So Mexico was popular. Um, that kind of expanded a little bit further into the Caribbean, but really it was truly Mexico for a while. National parks got really popular for a while. Are always popular, but were definitely popular where people thought well, let me cross this off my bucket list. I could drive there if I had to. I can, you know, see parts of the U.S. that I haven't seen before. And they're outside in the open. And, you know, it's it's a lot of that kind of stuff that we were seeing. And now that Europe is back open, Italy is super popular. I Mm. think people have had Italy on their bucket list for a really long time. And they said, let's do it. Let's plan this. You know, I I have no idea. Maybe they watched a lot of the Stanley Tucci searching for Italy during the pandemic. Maybe could be, yeah, right? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And another place that's really popular, specifically for us on the East Coast, is Portugal. Um, It's Mm. easy to get to, easy to get into. They had really low um, COVID rates for a while. They had a really high vaccination rate, so I think people felt really safe going there. And it's it's beautiful. The food's good. The people are nice. So those places and those we were seeing those trends before the pandemic. I think that it just kind of got exacerbated where people maybe they were going to take a river cruise, but they decided it was too risky. They didn't like being, you know, enclosed Mm -hmm. on a boat. So they decided they were going to do what's called an FIT, which is free and independent travelers. They're the people that's the kind of trips that I tend to be the most helpful for Mm -hmm. often is where, you know, you're going to Italy and you want to see Florence, Venice and Rome. Right. Um, how do you get from point A to point B? How do you see all the things you want to do? I organize your tours for you. I organize that, you know, your hotels, all of that, your, your trains. And I think people felt safer doing that often than they felt doing something like a cruise or something, you know, a group tour. Yeah. Yeah. No, that ma- that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's almost like some of this too. I know you mentioned like, uh, some of these destinations where you could see it coming pre pandemic. I wonder if not being able to do it for two years also kind of scared people or made people say, you know what? I'm not waiting anymore. I am going to do it. I'm going to go to these places. So I'm going to go back to kind of pick your brain here for a couple tips or tricks here. Um, I know we were talking about airlines a few minutes ago. Obviously, cost is a big thing right now with travel, as you mentioned. So what are your best kind of tips and tricks right now in terms of negotiating or just finding affordable or the most affordable airline travel right now? Airline travel, man. (laughs) (laughs) Airline, I'm going to preface this with the airline travel. The airline portion of travel is just the absolute pits, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not the exciting part, but it's essential to get to where mm-hmm. you're going. Sure. Book in advance as far the gosh, what is the average date? I think it's 54 days in advance is when you start to see really the perfect balance between, you know, flight availability, like it's truly going to happen at that point and yeah. the price is not increasing as quickly as it. Interesting. Yeah. But that is an older statistic. So yeah. don't don't totally follow that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Things are in flux always <laughs> during, you know, since 2020. But yeah, book in advance. If you know somewhere you, you're going to travel during a really popular time, holiday time, that kind yeah. of thing, book that as soon as you know caveat there as we talked about rental cars if it's somewhere where that requires a rental car to make your trip happen you know you're talking about an august 2023 national parks trip and you need a rental car once you get there look to make sure that there are rental cars available and also book that because Mm. you don't want to then book your flight to missoula montana and discover (laughs) that missoula montana has no rental cars for you Mm. (laughs) which is something that happens Noted. Yep. Noted. Yep. <laughs> so, so Carrie, my my parents. Um, so again, they've kind of been expanding their circle here and what they've been doing for travel. Um, so they're retired, and they recently booked a tour of Kentucky and Tennessee that was themed around a behind the scenes look at the T- Kentucky Derby. Yeah. So my my mom was like is a is a horse person. She loves horses. Grew up around horses, and she said best tour bar none she'd ever done. That's so. Awesome question for you then is so what's your advice about finding the tours that create those memorable experiences how do you how do you kind of look survey the field of here's some of the tours that are out there and finding the right one for me i guess is the question how do how would how would somebody go about doing that so i mean it it really depends um when it comes to finding the right destination for you like your mm-hmm. your mom for example as a horse person she probably has always thought about the Kentucky Derby, right? She's always known that it exists. If she came to me and she said, I'm a horse person, this is my passion. I would say, have you done, you could do a riding trip or have you done, you know, a dude ranch? Have you done a, uh, I had, I have a horse client, a horse, a passionate horse. <laughs> Not Mr. Ed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was <just> saying, yeah. <laughs> um, who's a client who went to Vienna because her goal in life is to see the Spanish riding school. And I, for me, what I would then do is I would work all of the connections that I have to try and make sure that she's getting not just a guide, but yeah. somebody who also really knows horses. And maybe we're going to send her behind the scenes to meet the riders. And maybe we're going to send her to Peber, which is the summer horse destination where she gets to go see what they're doing, you know, when they're like frolicking in the fields rather than performing at the Spanish riding school. Or she talks to the breeders, which is kind of a cool, I, I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. I've you know, watched National Geographic on occasion, but like <laughs> she comes back, she's like, oh, did you know? Did you know? This is that kind of stuff. So for somebody like me, for a travel advisor, I think anybody who comes to you with a passion, we are going to do what we can to make sure that we match your passion level <laughs> when it when it mm-hmm. comes to your tours, your experiences. Um, and that kind of stuff just is my absolute favorite. When somebody has something that they love, that mm-hmm. they really want to do, that's, oh, I love making that happen. Because you're watching people's dreams come true. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Then I, I think, Carrie, you know, you and I have chatted about this just 
offline at times is, you know, sometimes it's like you have this core idea of what you want to do, but it might not mean like, well, as you're saying, like, geez, I I didn't know that I'd have an option on the table maybe to feed the horses that I'm going to see, right? And just to be able to walk up to them and feed them grain and have them have an interaction with with that. And, you know, those sorts of things that you go, I didn't even know that would even be an option. Right. right. You wouldn't even know that's a question to ask. Is it okay that I feed the horses? Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff I think is really cool for kind of your industry and what you, you were able to do personally for people is like, Hey, did you know you could do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G in yeah. addition to the thing? So again, kind of, kind of a pretty cool thing that you go is not only just what I thought it was going to be, but is way more because of all those extras, which I think exceeds expectations. Yeah. But I want to, I want to ask a question, you know, for those that are day one, episode one listeners of our show, uh, <laughs> way back episode three. So we're episode 70, just for some um, landscapes. So 67 <laughs> episodes ago, way back when we were all in diapers and like really, really young, we were talking about family vacations being something where multi-generations are booking a trip, but each generation does a bit of their own exploring to their own interests. And then they all reconvene for mutual meals or conversations or mutual things that they do together. So that was, that was something that I thought was a really cool thing. Cause especially where, you know, I have a son and my in-laws and my parents were all really close and kind of doing something for multi-generational travel. I could see where there's lots of variants of interests and things that we all would like to do, but nobody would like to do all together. So, but <laughs> how has that grown as a theme, this multi-generational travel? And what are some core themes you're seeing around what, what those kind of generations are looking to do? And, I, and I'll ask you a follow-up question when you've done that. Okay. Um, we, I mean, that is still very true. We're definitely seeing multi-generational travel growing exponentially. I think a lot, we saw it a lot. I had many requests for full families where you're talking about grandparents down to grandchildren, especially last year, starting last year, where people were like, okay, my priority is to see my family. My priority is to hang out with them. I haven't seen them in a year. We're going to get together. We're going to do something. We're seeing a lot of kind of larger property requests, villas, or, you know, big home rental, that kind of thing, internationally and domestically. There's some really cool places that would then have, you know, cabins or something where people, you you, you see this kind of stuff in Maine mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. Cabins where everybody can have their own space, but they can all come together, do their own activities and then go somewhere else uh, if they wanted to um, have some time to themselves so that you're not all on top of each other. So yes, that's definitely grown a lot. But there are also, I think, you know, not just the um, doing things separately, but there's a lot of the doing things together where some of the group tours have really started to understand that this is a theme. So for example, um, some of the bike tours or some of the river cruises that have biking options, they're making sure that they have electronic bikes so that, you know, mom can keep up with 10 year old, whatever, William, Mm -hmm. uh, who's speeding off ahead, doing whatever, and with significantly less effort and still have energy at the end of the day to do whatever, which is awesome. I love that. I think it's so cool to be inclusive. Um, we're see- we're actually seeing a lot of people on the multi-generational trips wanting to have levels of activity that are just kind of staggered like that, where you can have, you know, all of you can do it together, but you don't have to be everybody, you know, the fittest person in the world to do it, mm-hmm. which is great. 
So question that maybe you might be thinking about personally here. So talking about multi-generational travel and for someone that has a little one and I, you know, I have a, I have a soon to be third grader as well. So this has been and present in our thoughts as well. So we're getting to travel, we're planning things out, but the question is, okay, now I have a little one and I'm wondering whether all this money and all the planning and all the things we're going to (laughs) do And all of a sudden, you know, little one gets sick or, you know, just or needs a nap from, you know, (laughs) one to five or, you know, all those things. So I guess the question is what, like, what age do you feel like, like kind of big travel, whether it be multi-generational or not, but what age do you think kind of kiddos maybe starting to kind of incorporate them into those plans that maybe would meet expectations of the parents yeah. without leaving them kind of disappointed that, Hey, you got to put my kid first, but yeah, I had to leave a lot of stuff on the table because we had to adapt. Yep. Yep. Uh, ben, you can probably tell me more than I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> um, I have been told that sometimes vacation with kids is very much just parenting with different scenery. You know, you're, mm. you're doing the same thing that you would do at home, just somewhere else. Um, and I've been, advised to lower my expectations when it comes to the things that we can actually accomplish. That said, we are going, we're about to leave for a multi-generational trip with my in-laws, the entire family. There are nine of us going to Italy. My one-year-old is included in that. Um, And I think it helps for us to have a lot of hands. Mm. You know, it's not just me or my husband who's going to be dealing with, you know, tantruming (laughs) team month old. And, you adapt, you do what you can to make them comfortable. But I would say that travel at any age is really worth it. I mean, I'm excited to see him get excited about stuff. And he is equally excited about the sand at sand beach as he's going to be about the sand on the Amalfi coast or whatever. But it's for me, it's, it's so cool. I am making memories for me rather than for him as a 15 month old, you know, you having a kid who's in elementary school, it's a little bit of a different story. He starts to really enjoy the things and have opinions about what he wants to do. They're a little bit bigger, broader. He's got his own interests. I mean, and that I think is also so cool to watch. So I don't think there's ever a time that's too early, but it really depends on what your comfort level is. And if you think that your enjoyment of the trip is going to be overrun by your emotions of frustration towards your child or whatever, then sit it out. Maybe wait a little while until that's not the case or until they have opinions about, you know, and, and I think most parents will take their kids opinions into consideration. If you're, if your kid is like the thing that I love most in the world is trains. I want to go ride a train. You're going to make that happen. And it's worth Mm -hmm. it even, Mm -hmm. you know, with the frustrations and stuff. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if that answers it. Ask me no, again. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> when we're I, I'll, I'll add just my own personal experience. I'm not a travel advisor, nor do I want to play one on TV, but that's something where, you know, for us, where we've, we've done a, a bunch of trips with our, our kiddo from, I think like age four or something, we were starting to do that. And it just felt like more and more that when he got to understand what we're doing and, and that he could then kind of say, here's what we're doing. And he could then say, this is the thing today that I'm really yeah. excited about doing yeah. that 
I, even though there might be a few things before he got to do his thing, but that thing was kind of keeping him alert and present and, and kind of, and then again, we know biologically that, you know, we need a rest or, Hey, we get to 95 degrees and we're going to need a break or we need food like more often or water or whatever, you know, doing, making sure those things are being taken care of. But I think that by everybody kind of participating into the list of the stuff that they wanted to do is that we all kind of had, we all checked the boxes. And if we had to, you know, if we did, if a day was a bus because of weather or, you know, or tantrums or dad tantrums, mom tantrums, anybody <laughs> tantrums, you know, it's like, well, there's a new day tomorrow. Right. And like, okay, it's a bus. The whole vacation is not a bus. We're okay. We'll be flexible. I don't know. That, that was our experience with it. And it just, it was a new day the next day. And we just kind of tried again and just kind of being thankful and grateful and uh, present, I guess was, was kind of the big thing for us. I will take that into consideration as we <laughs> what that's worth. Yes. I like the idea of, of having a part two episode when Carrie gets back from Italy. So we can see we can really get the answer to this question. But She's like, <laughs> you know what I said? What I really meant was yeah. <laughs> No, no, that was great. Um so I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna change gears. Um back to money. I'm the money guy here apparently on today's script. Yeah. Um so obviously inflation has just been everywhere right that's the topic with our conversations with our clients even our clients who have been very kind of cost conscious in the past but now they're just really aggressive cutting costs everywhere they can so i want to ask you carrie what are some things that your clients have been doing or what have you been doing for your clients to really keep their costs down or to just help combat some of these rising costs as they they plan these travel trips one of the things that anybody can do is again plan travel in advance because really what's the hardest right now is the last minute trips and i know it's so hard because we all took you know we've all been cautious for several years maybe not all but we've all had this on our minds right things could change at any moment the world could shut down again maybe you know who knows so i think that there have been a lot of really last minute trips where suddenly you feel like oh yeah i am comfortable eating in a restaurant i am ready to go somewhere i am ready to get on a plane but planning in advance, you know, start planning a year in advance at least is really, really helpful. So then you can also budget. You can understand. You can wrap your head around what what things really do cost. Yeah. Um, even if you don't book it all at that point, like say you you say, okay, this is how much it's going to cost. I'm going to book the hotels because those are essential, but we're going to wait on some of the other things. I haven't done a whole lot of paring down for clients. I think they've done it on their own where they've hmm. said, I want to do my trip, you know, my bucket list trip the way that I want to do it. But that means that I'm going to forego this, you know, other vacation that we kind of have in the works. Hmm. We're going to put it off until 2023, 2024, something like that. And one, I guess that's not entirely true. I have also had, I had one client where we really did a pivot. They originally planned on Paris and Paris was very popular. It was booked. Things were more expensive. And this is, this is the client who ended up going to Belgium. Okay. Well, what if we fly into Paris? We spend a couple of days on either end of the trip in Paris. We get kind of the feel of the city. We, we don't feel like we're missing out as much, but we spend the bulk of the trip in Belgium and Belgium was significantly cheaper and significantly cooler because it was summertime and it's further North. So some of those less popular destinations Hmm. are, are definitely a, a thing to consider. But yeah, there's not, I mean, for a lot of it kind of, it's hard to anticipate. We know that food costs are higher. We know that gas costs are higher. 
but we don't know how much higher they're going to be. And there's sometimes there's no way around it. You've got to eat, you've got to, right. you've got to get so, there. Um, so from a, can I just maybe ask a, maybe let's get a little specific on the cost part. Yeah. So say I'm, I'm working with the carry and I'm going like, okay, we're, we're a year in advance. Yep. Here's the trip I'm thinking about. It's, you know, 2023 summer. Yep. This is what I, I'm looking to do. You, so you, kind of use the number just roughly of like, okay, travel costs have been going up by about 20% a year, yep. right? Yep. So would the thought be that, okay, say just because to keep the math kind of easy, say it's a $5,000 trip. Yep. So thinking about, hey, if I got a budget for 2023, yep. then maybe what I'm trying to do is let's let's kind of book, let's budget another $1,000 here yep. Yep. in 2023. So there's the 20%. So if I'm over, I kind of have thought that through. Yep. Say, say it's worse. Say it's like, no, it's 30% or 40%, right? Yeah. It's 2000 more than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So as we're starting to book things, like we're working together and we book the flight and then we got to book the hotels, we book the tour. Jeez, like, it's starting to you know creep up. Is that yeah. kind of the point where you're kind of saying, okay, well, we're, we're getting kind of excess above even the inflationary budget. Yeah. Is that something where you're then kind of picking apart and then reconfiguring the cost? to kind of get it back into the the wheelhouse? It really depends on the on the client. Some people are saying, you know, if you present if I if I present you with a trip that and your stated budget is six thousand dollars, um, because we've you know pre pre-budgeted for it and everything, and I say, okay, but your the trip that you have in mind where you're staying in, you know, this level, this category of hotels or this, and you're doing this. I don't know, private transfers instead of the train or something like that. Here's what that's going to cost. And usually if, if you look at it and you say, but this is my perfect trip, I'm not going to change it. Then we won't change it. But if you look at it and you say, Oh, but I just can't do this. Then I'm going to work with you to change it. And there, there are things that we can do. You know, you can lower your room category or you can go to a different tier of hotel. You could take the train instead of taking a private transfer. Um, We could cut out the stay, shorten the stay. Yeah. Yeah, there are, you know, usually places and I can't always itemize because often I use partners on the ground who have proprietary rates with with their, you know, tour guides and their hotels and that kind of thing. But they so I can't always itemize things, but I have a pretty good guess on what the most expensive part of your trip is going to be and where we can. So if you're going to the Amalfi Coast and you're taking a private charter yacht up and down the coast, <laughs> it's pretty easy to say that's the most expensive part. Maybe we take a smaller boat. Maybe we don't do the boat part at all. Maybe we do it by land, you know, mm. and we cut out a thousand dollars or something. You know, it's it's. There are things that you can do. Maybe enlist the help of your 10-year-old to bike you up and down the coast, <laughs> right? <I> mean, <laughs> yep. Could be lots of different ways to make that happen. Many different ways. Um, and I think, you know, I, I mean, I hate to, I really hate to compromise on the, the like quality of somebody's trip because they can't afford to do it the way that they want to do it. I would much prefer that if you if you look at the trip and you say it is just out of budget, but this is my dream trip. Well, let's try and put it on the books for the following year when you can afford, you know, to, to bring it to the level that, that you've dreamed about, because there are some things that just, you know, I don't, I don't want you to come home disappointed. Most people 
hopefully are not disappointed. I have not heard of people being very disappointed on their trips or whatever, but I, I would hate for that to happen. You know, say you've always dreamed about going to see the pyramids and then you end up not actually seeing the pyramids because it was out of budget. Like she is, <laughs> that would be yeah. a real bummer. Right? Yeah. Like, right. yeah. Well, so Carrie, I know kind of talking about, uh, you know, with our clients is we talk about not like hopes and goals, but also fears. And I know some fears that kind of come up is um, getting stuck in an airport, which of course you hear about on a nightly basis with news, you know, missing connecting flights, flight canceled, especially in a foreign airport. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So what are some things that you find your clients are most scared about traveling? And then how are you helping them overcome that? We standard stuff, like even pre-pandemic, pre-all of the travel disruptions, I find people are often scared of foreign countries with foreign languages, um, you know, trying to communicate with people. Um, The good news is that we Americans, by and large, speak English. The world, by and large, has learned English to speak with us and with the Brits. So we're, we're very lucky from that standpoint. But, you know, I can help provide some of the translation tools that you can use or just common phrases and get you a guide, maybe, you know, like a, like a person, a physical Mm -hmm. person guide. So I'll tell you like Thailand, I speak not, I speak one word of Thai, like (laughs) having now been there, my husband and I went, he also, you know, he doesn't speak Thai. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a guide and she, she was a little spitfire, right? She had an umbrella, she'd whack people out of the way with it, you know, do whatever. But I had no problem getting around Thailand because she was there to help translate and get, you know, say, oh, well, this is, this is good. And this is, this is what's in this food. This is what's in that food, you know? So that kind of stuff really helps put people at ease in, in my experience. Mm -hmm. The travel disruptions, I think are everybody's nightmare. Nobody likes them. Uh, And, you know, with some of the, the, stuff that we talked about already, the the hacks for airline travel and that kind of stuff helps put some of that at ease. My I use an air desk for my own travels frequently and for the travels for my clients. If they're not booking with credit card points, that's usually what I would recommend. Um, and you pay a fee, it's like a $50 fee for, you know, per ticket. But that $50 fee gets you a 24 hour person that you talk to. If mm. your flight gets canceled, I am going to tell you, Go stand in line in case there that, you know, the line is short enough and the person in front of you, the ticket agent in front of you has better access to more information. Maybe they know something that we don't, you know, we can't always see all the information, but also get on the phone with the 24 hour, you know, ticket agent mm-hmm. that I have for my air desk, who's going to say, ah, okay, so you miss, you're going to miss this flight or you're going to miss this connection, but here are the other options for you. That kind of stuff, man, that is yeah. priceless. Yeah. I am happy to pay yeah. $50 more per ticket for that. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great word of advice there. So obviously, Carrie, the last time you were on our show with us, which was your second appearance on our show, um, <laughs> we talked about the concept of wanderlist, right? So that essential, essentially that wish list of vacation ideas that uh, codified someone's ideas of where they might want to go, things they want to do or experiences they want to have. So the question I have for you is over the last couple of years, how have your clients wander list changed, right? Obviously travels changed and whether yep. they could go somewhere, couldn't go somewhere. So I guess yep. has that just the, their wander list, have they changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, they have. The, um, the where you can go part of the list has really bumped things higher or lower mm. on uh, on people's lists, you know, yeah. like I said, Japan, hard to get into. It's on a lot of people's bucket list. And maybe that was 
going to be their trip for 2022 and they yeah. can't do it. So they're yeah. going to put it off until, you know, a little while longer and, and bump something up a little higher. We've seen kind of a rise in people wanting to do safaris because Africa was relatively open, has continued to be relatively open. And people kind of had that lower on their list and then bumped it right up because they could go there, which is pretty cool. I mean, you know, I, I love when people take chances on their trips and that's a big trip. And yeah. And we've seen, I would say, a real a real uptick in bucket list kind of travel. We're really yeah. seeing a lot of a lot of the Italy's, a lot of the the people who have never been, who really want to go for the first time to somewhere new, yeah. foreign. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And then, so I have one more question for you. So we've reached kind of the end of our conversation here. Um, yeah. As you may remember, we usually ask a retirement uh, kind of success question, but now that you've been on our show a couple of times. I can't ask you that one again. Um, so if people want to hear that answer, they got to go back to episode three uh, to hear that one. But uh, so I want to ask, and I'm going to go back to the first question I asked you about why you love Maine so much. So they're going to intertwine here. So if you had to design the perfect weekend of experiencing the state of Maine for someone who'd never been here, how yep. would you structure their stay? Uh, it depends on what part of Maine, because Maine really has a bunch of different parts. Yeah. But I think kind of, as I highlighted before, actually what's in my, my bio there, um, the three elements, in my opinion, that make any destination are going to be the the food, the landscape, and the people. Yep. And if I can have all three of those things, if I can check those off for somebody, that's definitely what I'm going to do. So if it's, I don't know, MDI or something, MDI is a great place to send people, honestly, because mm -hmm. there are outdoor activities for every skill level. Yep. There's good food to be found. It really hits kind of the main landscape. You've got the ocean and the mountains. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, try and get them some of that. that. <laughs> try and get them some delicious food. If they're lobster people, that's pretty easy. We can find somewhere to eat. Probably some find some lobster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not, then we can find something else that's good. I mean, Maine is really, we're really lucky. We've got a lot of really good local food that people, mm. people take a lot of pride in, which is awesome. We are so lucky. Um, and then the people, you know, maybe it's at a restaurant. I want to get people to really have an interaction with somebody who lives here. Doesn't, you know, me, I can live here and be that person for them, but because Mainers are so passionate about the state and love it. And they're so passionate about so many things. My, one of my favorite, like main person experiences, I, my mom and I went to Stonington and 2019 before, mm -hmm. before everything. Um, and we went to the center for coastal fisheries. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. And there, it's like a one room little museum thing. And it's staffed by this like local celebrity who's a retired lobsterman named Leroy Weed. He's been written up in like Down East magazine and Maine mag and the BDN. You can see him all over the place. And he is just so passionate about what he's done, what he does. And he wants you to know all about lobsters and all about lobstering and all about the main coast. You know, he wants you to stick your hand in the tank and understand like, this is what this looks like. This is how, I mean, it's so cool. So that kind of person is who I would love if I can find somebody like that to, to have somebody interact with. That's like cherry on top. Right. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds like they're going to Stonington then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Carrie, thank you so much for your time today. Again, kickstarting our retirement travel plans. I think you were a real wealth of information for people to just start dreaming, right? Is to listen to a conversation, get them inspired, get them fired up to, you know, go outside of their locale and to go experience and go um, just explore, I guess is the big thing here. So I appreciate you imparting all that on us. And um, it was a real fun time. Uh, Thanks for coming on our show again. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. So, well, we, we dug into ice cream today. So that was the good thing <laughs> is we were able to get out our favorite flavors in summer of 22. Yeah, and uh, sure. again, the cookies and cream seems to be the uh, the champion uh, yeah. du jour. That's right? right. That's the one. Yeah. So Carrie uh, Forbringer Heatherman, uh, really great to have her on the show. Um, our only three-time guest at this point. That's right. Uh, kickstarting our retirement travel plans in 2022. And again, I think there's there's a lot of things that we can take away from today's show. Uh, again, me personally, what I what I took away is again, I, I know inflation is something that we've been talking about a lot, and that's mm-hmm. coming up with our clients, uh, whether it be grocery store, whether you know um, everything from every little thing that we do, uh, from food and dining out to big travel. And yeah. interesting to hear Carrie's point about twenty percent kind of annualized rate here of inflation for yeah. for travel costs. Yeah. But she also brought up another point about you got to be careful about where you're going because of exchange rates. That's right. So I think those are some key things to kind of thinking about. And one thing I just kind of took away, especially as you're looking ahead. You know, she's saying twelve months and looking at what you're gonna, uh, what you're gonna do and where you're gonna go, and thinking about that budget is maybe adding a little bit of um, a layer of extra just in case. Um, so yeah. again, you don't want to get to that point. I'm kind of locked in and now I'm feeling really uncomfortable about the amount of cost I have here. Yeah. So I think that was that was something for me that I took away there. What about yourself, Curtis? Yeah. Uh, first, I'll just echo that last piece you pointed out because that was just huge. I mean, and you know, you think about the best case scenario there, you, you're, you might oversave for your trip, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Of, I'm a lot happier when I oversave for something than when I undersave. So I, I think that was a huge point there and I'm glad you made it. I think the other one in, I think it might have even been her, her takeaway of the episode or she wanted to hone in, but she just talked about being flexible. And I know we've talked about that in the, in the past, just generally over the last couple of years in any area um, of these conversations. But I think, you know, tampering expectations, right? You got to know, you know what's going on with travel right now. You see the news about airplanes and airports and pilot shortage and all this. So again, do the work, you know, do your budget, make that plan, you know, plan your trips because we all want to kind of get back to life here. But I think there's a, that flexibility piece is key and, and just being patient, right? Like she said, I know this is a minor point, but the lady at the, the ticket desk for American Airlines, when your flight gets canceled, she didn't cancel your flight, right? Or he, it's not their fault. So just mm-hmm. be flexible, be open, right? You're planning this trip. Don't let some it may seem like a major inconvenience at the time, but the whole grand scheme of things, like she said, the flight is necessary, but it's not the highlight of the trip. So try not to let these delays kind of hamper the whole, whole, ex- whole experience. Yeah. And, and I, again, I think Carrie gave some good tips about how to maybe minimize some of those disruptions exactly. and, and, um, and kind of things to think about as you do. So I, yeah, really great uh, point there, Curtis. And so for us, um, so again, you can find a little bit more about this show. We're going to have a little bit more, if you want to contact Carrie about yeah. uh, talking uh, travel again, 
obviously she is very open to talking about it. Um, if you want to reach out and kind of get her thoughts on certain ideas that you might have and maybe planning that next trip, uh, you will have information for you to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. So you can go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash seven zero because we turned 70 today our 70th birthday Uh, 70th birthday so that's our um that's our 70th show we really appreciate everybody tuning in again uh we opened with uh we had a little award that uh we were named best of the best uh financial advisors in the greater bangor area in 2022 so for those that voted for us um and maybe listeners show that did we thank you for doing that that was was a really wonderful honor that we were given Mm -hmm. and we will uh catch you next time Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.